Swab the decks and hoist the sails. The guns on board be neat and some proper madam. Pieces of eight and a fine wench on your arm. If you work, be not too shoddy. Careful not to flounder too badly, though, or you may have to dance the hempen jig. As we see you to Davy Jones, the chaffy, my boy. On with the show. Shiver me timbers. To our listeners from across all regions of the planet, welcome once again aboard the Robin Hood, flagship to the world's one and only cooperatively inspired charity podcast network, WPRPN. Live streaming from under South Korea's heavily sprayed mid-October skies. You're listening to episode 125 of Pirate Radio Podcasts. I'm your host, as always, the ship's chief communications officer, Jaffe Ryder. This week's special feature guest is Minds.com personality, Aragmar, a.k.a. the Black Knight of Bulgaria. An acclaimed science fiction author, professional gamer, and philosopher, be prepared for a conversation leading down any number of seldom-explored rabbit holes. Our first featured guest we've managed to line up via the other side of history's Iron Curtain. We very much look forward to hearing his views and opinions on a whole host of timely topics and issues. So buckle up, folks. Friends, foes, and fellow pirate mateys. Connecting Eastern Europe on through to Asia, we now present to you Aragmar, the Black Knight of Bulgaria. That is precisely what we hope to do this week, reaching our hands across the waters, voices through the ether, from South Korea to Bulgaria. We had been speaking to Aragmar there in the pre-show area. Hopefully he's still standing by. We still got you there, Black Knight. Oh, yes. Well, that's great. Welcome uh, welcome to the show. It's uh, great that you came through for us here this week. Of course, you were a, a last-minute fill-in. We had initially booked Jack Ottman one of the uh, fellow co-founders, CEOs, essentially, of the Minds.com social networking and, let's not forget, information-sharing, censorship-free information-sharing platform, Minds.com. But we're going to, it looks like, reschedule him for the new year, 2019. In the meantime, we're happy to have you. So... You do a lot of uh, live streams as it is, I guess, so this is nothing really all that new to you. Bulgaria, though, I I must say, this is the first time we've had a chance to actually connect to anyone on the other side of the so-called 
Iron Curtain. But I'm not sure. We'll save that maybe for a little further on down the road here. There's a couple of subjects we could get into. Of course, breaking news here just in the last couple of days has been the death of this news reporter. Although I'm not sure if Bulgarian media, are they even reporting on it? Um, yes, they are. But um, things like that happen. It's an ex-communist country. Uh, well, freedom of the press is something new and exciting. At least it was exciting after the regime fell, first fell. But right now it's um, like uh, every day as usual. Uh, and we occasionally hear about uh, a journalist... Um, probably kidnapped or probably beaten or probably disappearing or probably shooting himself in the back of the head a couple of times. It's normal, you know, how things work. Uh, when you open your mouth too much and start speaking about things that you're not supposed to know. Well, all she was uh, doing, I guess, was reporting on the misuse of EU budget accounts yes. and spending. That, that, that's a no-no, uh, especially here because um, the local uh, politicians rebranded themselves from uh, communists. Most of them hold themselves now socialists. The Democrats are still communists. And uh, just like uh, before uh, USSR fell apart, they love gobbling up um, other people's money. You pay some sort of a tax to the EU and then they, they send you funds for roads uh, and other infrastructure projects and uh, quote-unquote farming subsidies which are total bullshit but doesn't matter. And when you start reporting about gross misallocation money vanishing here and there yeah, you end up uh, suicided pretty soon. It always follows the same uh, standard KGB procedure. Either your the brakes of your uh, car will fail, some mechanical quote-unquote failure, or you'll get uh, mugged again, you'll get quote-unquote mugged and then killed, or you will get uh, kidnapped and you'll vanish forever. Well, look at what just happened recently in that helicopter crash. The Russian, it was a high-level uh, prosecutor of sorts. Her pilot, I'm not sure who else, were on board, but in the wreckage that uh, was discovered, it turned out apparently that he had two bullets. He was shot in the head twice, basically. Mm -hmm. So that's the standard. That's the standard. Look at the way that the entire Polish cabinet, the ruling government at the time, was wiped out in that plane crash just a couple of years ago as well. Same kind of deal. And then on the ground there, the footage surfaced online. I'm not sure how widely this was discussed in the mainstream, but there were voices crying out and and sounded like gunshots being fired, and it was all just hell breaking loose, total pandemonium. So, yeah, some pretty underhanded, nefarious, um, and despicable tactics, naturally. So, unless the people, well, of course, uh, Bulgarians and people, private citizens in Russia, they have the right to own, like a Second Amendment kind of rights as what we find in America, mm -hmm. correct? 
No, 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 no. Oh, I see. I see. No, you, uh, you know, it, under communism, everybody's equal, but as you know, some people are more equal some than pigs, others. Some pigs are more equal than others, is what George Orwell yep. said. Animal oh, yeah. Farm. That was a book that Stalin did not take too kindly. I think he had it, in fact, it was banned in Russia oh, yes. during his time in office. So I'm not sure. Did you ever hear the story of how. The CIA actually purchased, I think it was the rights to the movie Animal Farm so that they could kind of work with the ending a little bit, I guess. Uh, something along those lines, more, hmm. more or less. So just, uh, exercise a little, uh, creative license, as it were. So anyways, these are all things that people can kind of, uh, do their own research and fact checking on, on the side as it were, maybe even now uh, in real live time uh, while we speak and put this live stream out, show number 125 here uh, as we interview Aragmar, the Black Knight of Bulgaria. So, yeah, this is going to be a lot of fun. We've already got up to almost a dozen people, believe it or not, join us here in the the live streaming not just the chat, but also those who haven't logged in. So if you're out there in listener land and haven't logged in yet to Google, you might want to do that, and then you can better engage yourself in the YouTube chat area. So why don't we just kind of put the brakes on things just for a moment now, back things up a little bit, and ask ourselves, take a look more or less at who Aragmar is, a little bit of your uh, personal history of course, and uh, your influences. You're an author, naturally, along with a professional gamer, is what it sounds like, and philosopher. So just whatever you want to uh, kind of let us in on there and uh, paint a bit of a picture for us, if you will, uh, as to your personal backstory and the like. I always loved uh, reading and, you know, in the beginning, it was in Russian because uh, Russian was uh, mandatory in school. So most of my early reading was in Russian. And of course, libraries were protocol free for certain books that were available. Certain books weren't. Um, there was some uh, science fiction, which was uh, translated, of course, Later, we found that uh, it was uh, censored, so that was typical. But uh, yeah, in the beginning, it was uh, it was uh, heavy, the heavy reading of um, a lot of science fiction and other books that uh, kept me uh, piqued my interest in writing. And um, there were some clubs in school which were. Of course, also mandatory since you have to join uh, the youth uh, party groups. I will not go into details, but uh, everybody was in those groups. You cannot not join. <laughs> That's an offer you, you couldn't refuse. Like you, you never even knew that you had an option of not joining. So. This is how it all started. Um, later, after the, the fall of the regime, slowly at first, we started having access to Western media, 
different things, books, small books, some of them horribly translated, others better. But I started playing roleplay games, tabletop games, local colognes of uh, Dungeons and Dragons. It was so long ago, I, I think I forgot it. But yeah, we knew that D&D existed, but it was kind of hard getting uh, books. And later, we, me and some friends got together, we pulled some money and uh, paid someone to uh, buy books from the U.S., and when they came back, they brought us some uh, second-hand books, old books, but we still use them. From then on, it kind of skyrocketed. First, we, we didn't know anything. We started uh, experimenting, playing D&D, then computers. The first powerful computers really came. I think it was really late compared to the other part of the world, but we still... Uh, Enjoyed a lot of games. Of course, all were pirated. Are we are a poor country, and uh, even though we we kind of had uh, a computer here and there, no one could. There weren't even uh, distributors who would sell the games like uh, normally. So by default, you had to be a, a pirate. It was the only way. And most people back then, they didn't have uh, computers in their homes. Um, so I were kind of um, illegal uh, clubs popping up here and there. And I remember uh, one such uh, was in, um, I think, in, in some... It was in a garage. It was a very tiny space uh, with a couple of old... PCs and we started playing the old Doom games and strategy games like Civilization and Masters of Magic, etc. That was, was nice. Well, you were saying, Aragmar, the other day when we had a bit of a talk via Discord, you actually had to learn your English in secret. Oh, yes. In the beginning, it was, um, I think I was second grade. Yeah, I was second grade. Our parents kind of arranged this. We, we were too little to uh, understand what was actually happening. But we started learning in a building which had a couple of study rooms. And actually, it was uh, some sort of small uh, library. And we, we studied we, we started uh, learning English first was the simple things, the, the alphabet, uh, words, etc., etc. But um, they told us to, uh, not to speak about this because it was a uh, thing. And um, yeah, it was for a couple of years uh, when I was uh, very little, I studied like this. Then there was a break, a very long break. I think after the regime fell, like probably two years, and they started introducing English into, into schools. But I already had the basics. So, well, of course, the, the children of the party elite, they had special high schools, uh, special classes. They could go abroad. So, yeah. Because communism is really so egalitarian and everyone oh, yes. is treated equally. Just like we see with uh, communist China... Uh, the way that things have uh, unfolded there historically, yes. 
And just to give our listeners a little clearer sense as far as the time end of things, we're talking like early 90s? Yeah. Now, there was a, you're saying the regime fall. Are you talking about the fall of the Berlin Wall? I know we brought up in that, once again, going back to the brief conversation we had via Discord a couple of days ago, I mentioned, you know, perestroika and glasnost, those uh, policies that were put forward via the Gorbachev government. Maybe you could talk a little bit about the impact those policies had on your part of the world, Bulgaria in particular, at the time. Basically, the regime uh, officially fell in uh, like 1989, but kind of dragged on for an entire year. They they did try to uh, send in the tanks, but uh, at this point they lost all of their financial backing from Moscow. And then the tanks. Oh, yes, yes. It was um, a very famous, back then famous, ex-premiers who, who said it, like, send in the tanks. And, yeah, the military was like, fuck you. Uh, we, we're not sending the tanks. Basically, the, the exact same thing happened in Romania. They tried to send in the tanks against the people who are already revolting against the regime. Ceausescu. Yeah, they hanged him. They hanged Ceausescu and his wife. I think, actually, I remember them being gunned down in front of a concrete wall. Were they not? No, they hanged them. Who are the two that they shot in front of the wall? I'm not sure. doesn't matter. But, uh, yeah, they shot a lot of uh, high-level party uh, functionaries. Uh, They kind of um, chased them around Romania and caught them trying to escape to other nearby countries uh, with suitcases full of money, (laughs) gold and stuff. Uh, But, yeah, uh, Romania is uh, right now significantly in a better uh, spot than us because they did the spring cleaning. But back then, it was complete chaos. Uh, The Soviet Union has just stopped sending money. The glorious communist economy, it kind of, quote-unquote, worked because every year, uh, the comrades from uh, Moscow, they send us millions and millions of rubles. And, of course, we sent us our shitty products back, which we had, like, a couple of products that produced here. And they were immediately gobbled up by the, the Soviet market. And uh, everything was um, perfect, all roses, all uh, fairies and unicorns. And, uh, yeah, but not actually. So when uh, the first problems that they saw was the introduction of uh, perestroika, which was actually um, a limp-wristed attempt uh, by the communist leadership to rebrand the the regime and try to to continue to stay in power, Uh, though they failed. The Chinese, they learned from this. They did it successfully, somewhat. Uh, But yeah, it's... it's, um, Years later, we found out that uh, when the Soviet Union failed in Afghanistan, KGB was kicked out of Afghanistan. They lost control of the local drug lords. And by then, the entire Soviet economy was was dead. Only the distribution of drugs worked for them, like sustained their economy, quote-unquote. And when they, they were uh, kicked out of uh, Afghanistan, they lost their hold of Afghanistan, they had to pull out, and uh, everything fell apart. So we, we felt it economically really hard. 
We weren't in an awesome position before, but we still had the basic necessities like bread, eggs, like some meat, uh, milk, etc. The basic stuff you need to survive. But then they hoarded it. Uh, most of the stores, which they were like state stores, uh, they hoarded it and they started selling it to the black market, which was a thing during the entire last 20-something years of the regime. You enter the store, it's like Venezuela. There's, there's nothing inside, nothing. Empty shelves, people who work there, like, no, we, we had nothing. We had long lines for bread before, and I... Usually, almost every day got around 5, 5.30 maybe, and they gave me some money and then sent me to wait on the line for bread each morning. Sometimes I got lucky and I kind of, uh, the line was, was very short, so I, I managed to get the bread, but sometimes I waited for uh, two, three hours. And then other family members will come to replace me and send me off to school. So... Yeah, that regime started uh, to transform back into the criminal syndicate that it was initially. They had a lot of gold stashed, the gold of the um, quote-unquote state bank. They had it in Switzerland. I think they failed to realize how severe the fallout will be after the Soviet Union fell apart. Some of them were panicking and they... uh they were killed by the others because um, during those those years they started to take back the criminal uh, underground scene and establish themselves there. Of course, almost all of those who were doing the killings were ex-state uh, security, KGB-style bodyguards. That was clear to all of us. It's them. And, uh, yeah, it's a couple of turbulent years with a lot more hunger uh, and danger uh, around on the streets. You have to be really careful. Um, but afterwards, they started to consolidate power again. They rebranded the, the party. It's now a socialist party. All of the opposition, they have no opposition. It's them. Even now when they, they go to vote for this candidate or that candidate, most of the regular people here, they know it's all bullshit. They are all serving the party. I mean, that we have on occasion here and there some, some, um, normal politicians. Uh, but yeah, the rest are all linked to the party. So yeah, multi-party democracy, uh, that sort of model is, uh, quite foreign from the experience uh, that you've uh, had at any point really in recent history in Bulgaria and other parts, I would imagine, too, you know, regions uh, within the former Eastern Bloc, as it were. So thank you for that, and I think listeners have got a bit of an idea as to your personal history and some of the influences and events that shape maybe... I guess your outlook and just the region in general as well too. So we're going to take a look at what's going on here in the YouTube chat for a moment and then we'll come back and maybe talk a little bit more about your passion for writing. We do have a fair deal of activity taking place here 
in the YouTube chat area. Great to see the two Pirate Joes in the house together once again, happily reunited, even if only for this uh, one weekly guest feature live stream. Uh, we should remind people as well, too, that uh, same time Tuesday nights, that's Wednesday at noon here in Asia, Tokyo, and Seoul. We have the World Pirate Radio News feature that's in place, so don't forget to check that out. A little different format and approach to things, the way we have everything set up over there, and just the way that we uh, try to tackle and take a look at current events, news of the day, uh, you know, a little bit of pop culture thrown into the mix, and what have you. So Joey Boomer wanted to talk a little bit about the Polish mafia for some reason, but uh, I think that was in maybe relation to the unfortunate fate that this uh, Bulgarian journalist recently found herself meeting with. And just to let listeners know too, Sofia is the capital of Bulgaria. That actually, I'm not sure if you're aware of this or not, but that's from the Greek word meaning wisdom. Yeah. I know. We have, um, in recent years, like, I think it was 12 years, they built, um, a new, new statue of, uh, Sofia in the capital, and it's huge. But the style of it, it's kind of, uh, post communist uh, era style which uh, many people like uh, were like oh no, no not again come on guys we are all past this I don't care about the style it is still a good statue but yes that's actually true once again we're going to get into your writing career a little bit here Aragmar because I know you would like to spend a little time discussing that whole business of course before we wrap things up here, that's one of the main reasons we've got you this week. Animal Farm, excellent read, is what Andrew Fishman says. Joe Eminon stating that there's a new Polish mafia. They found two guys tied together in the trunk of a car, shot through the hands and the heads. So I think what he's, he's mostly working with the voice-to-text system there. But Joey Boomer talking about Polish Mafia because of his Polish ancestry. That's why he's doing that, I'd imagine. And I mean, Poland and Bulgaria, do they, they don't border one another, do they? No. They're relatively it's, uh, close. It's like Eastern Bloc type, but... Still fellow Slavs, yeah. You know, we did want to talk a little bit, too, about uh, this whole business of Vlad the Impaler. He's historically out of uh, Romania, if I'm not... Mistaken, uh, yes. it's Transylvania yes. region. So, get into that a little <laughs> bit at some point. We it is the Halloween season that we are rapidly approaching here, so we thought it would be quite fitting. But uh, just trying to see if we got any more quality comments coming through here. A lot of banter going back and forth. People talking about uh, for some reason, once again, uh, more about the poles than the Bulgarians. <laughs> but every bowling alley Joe Eminon's been to. Out Long Island, I guess. That's what it sounds like here was owned by a Polish American. Seriously. <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah. yeah, so your writing career then. You had to practice your English in relative secrecy. What would have been the punishment? I mean, and it is ironic and quite hypocritical, of course, too, that the party elite are able to freely do as they like. There's two sets of rules. At the same time, they pay lip service to 
it being an egalitarian and uh, equal society, as with every communist society, as with almost just every society, <laughs> you know, but communism in particular, it's where the hypocrisy is really quite oh, awful, yes. of course. China couldn't be more blatant with the, why don't all Chinese have millions to invest in Western real estate? You know, <laughs> so many are left just stranded. They're barely able to scrimp together enough to cover their next cost of their next bowl of rice rather than going off to places like Vancouver or San Francisco and dumping millions of dollars into their uh, investments over there. That doesn't seem like much equality to me. I should probably imagine that uh, those who invest, they're probably connected to the party elite. Their kids, they uh, basically they lived in a different country. The country was the same, but they had access to Western products. Uh, we knew one kid, um, one kid like that, and we once, uh, once or tw- maybe twice, went there and uh, we saw his house. For the first time in my life, I saw a um, TV video game with some, some, I think it was an Atari, and it, we we didn't know what it is. We we thought it was some some uh, gramophone or something. We we had no idea what what the hell it was. But I can tell you what the punishments were for listening to Western music. If you're lucky and uh, the cops were in a good mood, they might beat you severely. If you weren't lucky, they would arrest you. And by the way, that also went for you being caught with jeans. Because jeans, you could only buy them on the black market. So you could be arrested for wearing jeans. Black market? That sounds pretty racist to me. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, in the early days, like the mid, mid, uh, I think 60s, late 60s and early 70s, they could send you after your, um, tenderizing uh, process as, uh, finished, you could be sent to a camp. There were like a dozen camps where you'd be dying. Very few people actually survived those camps. Some survived because uh, their relatives uh, had like some stashed hidden jewelry, which they sold and bribed uh, some certain party officials. So you could be released from the camp. But basically it meant a death sentence. And you could be sent there for jokes jokes about the regime about the dear leader sounds familiar yeah oh sure uh stalin was quite notorious for that as well so i guess it was quite rampant all throughout the so-called eastern bloc commies they they hate uh jokes they had oh yeah they hate fun sure and how's and speaking of which how's stand-up comedy doing these days in sofia and beyond big scenes uh no when was, your, when was your last comedy festival? Uh, no. Something to plan for the future, maybe. Think about maybe. for the future, yeah. Maybe, yeah. Uh-huh. Well, change. So, uh, all right. Well, let's talk a little bit then, I guess, about your writing. Just focus on that a little more intently here. You're a big science fiction fan, one of the things I was going to ask you, of course, was who some of your influences were. Zimov. Uh, it was uh, the first, basically the first author 
that uh, we could read here because it, his books were uh, translated very well and they weren't censored for some reason. I have absolutely no idea why... Um, well, he was PC. Ahead. Yeah, probably. Or but, you could look at it as being not politically incorrect, so yeah. either way, he made it through, yeah. And we had, like, uh, PC, Soviet, science fiction, uh, was a book I read called The Hour of the Bowl. I'm not sure why they chose this. But, yeah, it was basically very PC, very communist, very multicultural uh, future. No race. We're all the same. We're uh, all beautiful, all perfect, and we're all communists, and we venture into space. But, yeah, basically, you can imagine which books I liked more. So that was my early introduction to science fiction. Basically, Isaac Zimov, as you know, he writes uh, very serious uh, science fiction, very hardcore, as you might uh, see. Uh, but later, we we got more books translated. There were, of course, uh, Eastern European uh, science fiction authors uh, from. Uh, Hungary, from uh, Poland, from Serbia, from Romania. Most of them, they were writing under, under pseudonyms, pen names. And uh, some of them, they had like good stuff, but all were short stories, collections of stories. So yeah, basically, this is exactly what my first book so published was. Uh, basically, is the origin story of each of my characters and uh, an introduction to uh, the beginning of the quest. But um, the years before I started uh, seriously uh, preparing for, for this, we finally caught up. We kind of uh, got access to, to early cable TV, cable TV which you had like for, for years. But for us, it was like, uh, yeah, it's the future. We can watch uh, more than one channel, and it's not the state propaganda channel. So yeah, uh, that was pretty revolutionary for us. And um, some early uh, anime and uh, uh, sci-fi uh, series like uh, Star Trek, the original Star Trek with uh, Captain Kirk, then TNG with uh, Captain Picard, but. Let's say that not so much uh, Star Trek, but later Star Wars, because Star Wars was a thing. They did show it in selected theaters, and you had to have connections to buy tickets for these theaters. But we eventually watched it. That made like a real impact. So basically, as you know, yes, uh, Star Wars is uh, more like a space opera. Uh, certain things are not science, like uh, in most of uh, Isaac Zemo's books. This is uh, basically the format that I'm using in my uh, my writing, uh, because, yes, I do love hard science fiction, but it's not for everyone. And um, I like to have my characters sometimes be a little bit more on the funny side, on the more relaxed side than uh, citing Technobabble etc. I guess you, you've seen plenty of uh, episodes and you know what Technobabble means but yes, it's um, 
And by the way, everything that I write, I have a huge list of notes, which I took years ago, like maybe 12 years while I was working in some other place to pay the bills. And uh, right now I'm using this, uh, this material and I have uh, a lot of it. I can write maybe 30 books, maybe more. But uh, yeah, the sci-fi genre is, um, is a medium that you could speak about a lot of everyday problems and uh, a lot of tendencies, societal uh, changes that uh, most other genres, like they are not so forgiving. And of course, you can extrapolate, you can use uh, different alien races to speak about things which are important. And um, yes, I absolutely abhor political correctness and um, you will not find this uh, boring uh, crap in my books. The first book is, like I said, it's um introductionary uh, piece. Uh, each character has, has uh, their own chapter and uh, they interact with each other in the, the, the epilogue. But I made... I made sure to, to uh, introduce them without spoiling too much, of course. I also introduced my space pirates because everything is better with pirates. There we go. And that brings us to one of the questions that we had for you, of course, because every one of our guests is required to present their pirate credentials uh, in order to gain admission or ability to freely board the ship, the Robin Hood here, is what we've christened it. So uh, what more can you tell us then about your space pirates? I think the captain and, and crew would be interested in uh, in hearing a few more of the details. Hmm. I can see Fishman, who is who's, uh, um, already screaming, thank you, no spoilers. Uh, yeah, so I will I will try really hard. Basically, this uh, universe of mine, it's an alternative history universe, which, uh, although it is, it is the current year, quote unquote, uh, it is 2018, uh, humanity um, is now a spacefaring uh, civilization. You have like uh, the least amount of government cancer possible. You actually have a minarchy which is a um, libertarian form of government. Uh, you have, uh, for diplomacy's sake, uh, with the rest of the um, galactic powers, you have an emperor, uh, but he's just there to facilitate like the relations. But about the pirates, uh, well, I will not go into too much details, but the, the pirates, well... They have uh, multiple clans. They rule their, their own uh, patches of uh, fringe space, which is the, the, the part of space where uh, the books are set. And each clan has their own special shtick. Some are uh, slavers. Very few are slavers, but uh, some are. Some are um, specialized in um, big ships. Others are... Uh, 
dealing with hidden technologies and ruins, etc. They are like, how should I put it, pirate archaeologists? Quote-unquote archaeologists, because, you know, pirates are not uh, very... They will not go with the brush and the little, the, the small shovel. They will kind of blow holes in into the temple wall and then ransack the things. But, yeah. And uh, some some are uh, uh, excellent pilots. They have carriers, starfighters, others have uh, mechs, etc. But each pirate clan has uh, their war boss, which is their um, elected leader, can be either pirate, doesn't matter. They have to have uh, merit, they have to be skilled, wise, insidious, very smart, very sneaky, of course, because pirating in space is a sneaky business, a very dangerous business, just like uh, back in the olden days on the high seas. So let's take one plan in particular, and um, one typical pirate ship, which is very small, very fast, has a lot of warriors on board, trained in space warfare. They have very good spacesuits. The ship has low detection. You can see ships in space very easily. They kind of uh, emit a lot of heat. So if you want to be less visible, you need to be really, really either small or you have to have stealth system. So basically a pirate ship, it has uh, a lot of grappling arms. It's very fast, very maneuverable. They don't like to have like a shit ton of guns because if you damage your prize too much, it's less booty for you. And you, of course, you need a good network for spies, uh, sneaking around the ports and buying, selling information about cargo ships or passenger ships, ships routes so that you can lay wait and ambush them. That's basically what in the olden days the pirates did actually. Nobody was just uh, sailing around without without aim. And, of course, um, the small ships, which are easy to escape. They have, of course, their own code. No one can just join a pirate crew. You have to pass tests. You could be part of uh, the enemy uh, ship's crew, and you could audition, quote-unquote, you could audition to join the crew, but you still have to pass the test. And the test is, if there are many of them, they pit them against each other. They give them uh, a very rudimentary spacesuit. They uh, give them a uh, dagger. And before they kick them off into space, they kind of tie their uh, their uh, one of them. They're either their hands or legs uh, together. And in most of the, the cases, they do that around some some star or something, and you have to be real quick on your feet. But, of course, the, the audition is just part of the, the many other tests. They need people who are um, good fighters, but also people who can work in a team, because, uh, yeah, backstabbing is a thing, but yeah, not backstabbing each other all the time. That would be very inconvenient. That wouldn't be very good for 
your uh, crew's morale, obviously, oh, yeah. backstabbing oh, yeah. each other all the time. Let me just ask you a question here regarding, well, you've got two books so far that I can see in the yep. Star Shatter series. How much have you actually dedicated of your writings and, and material to space pirates, uh, per se? Are they, they play a central part in... Oh, yes, yes. They play a very, very key part. That area space that I called fringe space, this is their space. They share it with other um, star states. Like uh, there is a certain empire called the Tazaran Empire. But mostly this is their space. The Tazaran Empire is just the ass of their uh, empire. Basically that, that's one of their forgotten borders. They, they do not care that much. Uh, but for the pirates, this is part of space. This is their space. This is their holy space, which they believe that they have a certain belief system, which I, I'm not going to uh, go into detail because that would be spoiling. And I, uh, fishermen will kill me and many others will kill me. Uh, but uh, yes, pirates are pretty central uh, in my books. They, they have uh, their own champions, pirates, and I should say that my villains, in, uh, the villains in my books, they're not, they're not um, some cheap and uh, one-line villains. No, of course you you have to have like uh, the the uh, occasional uh, cartoon type of villain, but pirate uh, characters. When I write, I present two view- viewpoints. The viewpoints of the heroes and the viewpoints of the villains. Some chapters you have um, first or the second part of the chapter, which is uh, which is like the action is explained from the viewpoint of the the hero, and the other part is from the viewpoint of the, the villain. And of course, pirates. The adventures of your characters basically in their territory. You can't write them off. It's like. They're the integral part of the, the books. In the second book, I introduced my first proper pirate character because you have, in the first book, you have other pirates, which I'm not going to go into detail. If my readers read uh, the book, they, they uh, have already finished it. They know that they call themselves pirates. This is the only thing that I'm, I'm going to say. But yes, you are exactly correct. Space pirates... Are very powerful. They are very tough. When they they fight, they when they can't escape. Uh, when they're backed into a corner, they will fight to the very last, and they will die. They will drag everyone around them into hell. Uh, but of course, that's um, an outcome that most pirates, being sneaky as hell, they have a lot of aces. In their sleeves, in the sleeves of their uh, spacesuits. So they have um, hidden reinforcements. Perhaps they have some uh, special special system on their ship prepared for uh, when they are encircled or uh, entrapped or surprised by uh, overwhelming opposition. Uh, and when pirates run, you don't follow the pirates because they when they run they in most cases, nine out of ten, they have a trap. 
prepared and when you uh, follow them then you um, you get ambushed or you kind of fly into cloaked mines or uh, some um, other uh, device that they have set up to screw you or uh, they have like um, a bunch of uh, ah no that would be spoiling no no you know it's interesting to um, reflect on how you mentioned earlier Star Trek and Star Wars of course and following the fall of the Berlin Wall and the whole chain of events that ensued there was more openness and you had the chance to view the classic TV series access to Star Wars was more tightly controlled I guess and that of course was back in the 77 I guess is when that came out Han Solo was himself a space pirate as I recall commandeering the Millennium Falcon uh, on top of that, I was just going to point out, Johnny Canuck has shared with us here in the YouTube peanut gallery area a link to our Podomatic archive profile page, basically, that is in place and that we had been using for some time and recently shifted the focus now simply to archive.org. There's a bit of a, well, an extensive backstory to why that is the case, but in choosing that name, it was quite something that a couple of years ago we figured that we would run with Space Pirate Radio. It just seemed to, it was almost like there was a voice in the, uh, in the ether voice. that was whispering to us saying Space Pirate Radio would be the way to go. <laughs> so that's what we opted to, uh, yes. to run with. Hey, you know, it's interesting too to consider how with Star Trek and Star Wars and your own universe that you've built for yourself as well, I imagine there's a lot of mining of, of, of natural and precious uh, resources that goes on uh, on various planets and outposts. But on top of that, of course, as I think you've alluded to, uh, as with the high seas of the past here, just on the planet Earth, and even up until the modern day age, of course, too, although things have gotten a little more risky, that's for certain, obviously, with uh, any sort of, you know, flagrant hijacking or pirating of a, of a ship. This would be taking place in your universe in a big way, I'd imagine, too, the attempting to commandeer and uh, take command and control of uh, ships that, without destroying them, of course, too, because you don't want to just Oops. blow them just shatter them into into dust, uh, atomic you know particles, but rather uh, somehow capture I guess, them through stealth, I'd imagine, or uh, deception. Um, yeah, you could. For the most part, if they can land people on board, because pirates do that, they're very sneaky. They're very smart. If they can't do it without dying, they will. And, of course, you have a lot of uh, electronic warfare, powerful computers, you have uh, AI, you have even uh, people who are um, uh, linked directly, their, their minds, uh, their very souls are linked to, to uh, the computers. You have, like, uh, at first, when two ships uh, engage in battle, at first you have the electronic warfare, 
And if your ship has uh, stronger computers, maybe more systems uh, dedicated to electronic warfare, you might win the battle before even firing a shot. Or if you have like um, a part of your crew who is on there on the, the enemy ship and they, they kind of uh, screw their systems or plant a hack bot or a spike somewhere and uh, compromise their defenses. So in space, it's, it's a little bit different. I, I imagine that on the high seas, it wasn't that easy either. You first you have to catch the ship. I mean, first you have to know where the ship is. Then you have to uh, detect it, to, to um, detect it with your sensors or by visual means. Then you have to catch up to the ship. Uh, you have to disable the engines or not, just grapple onto it with the grappling arms. Uh, shoot the, um, some of the turrets that can fire it back at you. Obviously, the, if you can hack them, because the, the guns are expensive, like you said, you want to take the ship. Um, but if you can't, like you, you, you try to deal as, as less damage as possible. You grapple onto, onto the enemy ship and then you unleash the boarding party. But before they enter the ship, they must win the fight for hull superiority. I mean, the, the hull fight. Uh, you know, you can walk on the hull of the, the, the ship with magnetic boats and others use grappling hooks, etc., engines. Uh, just like you, you would, uh, fight, uh, on the deck of, uh, sailing ship. It's almost, you know, almost the same. And, uh, of course, if the ship has, uh, security teams, like, uh, corporate security, whatever, uh, soldiers, armed troops, they will try to, uh, stop you from entering the ship altogether before, because it's an entirely different fight. When they enter the ship, it's completely different. If they manage to stop you uh, from entering the ship, like protect their airlocks or uh, hangar bay uh, doors, which are the easiest parts, places to uh, place a uh, breaching charge and enter. Uh, if they manage to stop you, you'll have to retreat. If you lose too many, uh, too many uh, men, you have to retreat, escape. But when you enter... When your boarding party enters, almost all of the time it's close quarter, a melee fight. Yes, we are back in the days of axes, uh, swords, and uh, spears, armor, the made of special alloys. Obviously those are expensive, but pirates, they, since this is their profession, it's even part of their, uh, way of, um, uh, their quote unquote spirituality. Uh, let's say they they view the act of boring as uh, it's it has a um, certain religious tone to it. Uh, but yes, it is also very prestigious uh, to capture a ship, a vessel, with as less damage uh, possible. If you manage to capture it without firing a shot, you'll get a lot of fame, like a lot of uh, renown. Uh, amongst the, the other pirates. But, yeah, for close quarter combat, you have vibroblades, power weapons, which are basically, most of them are uh, maces, uh, warhammers. They have power batteries inside them, and they have, like, electrical discharge. Uh, but the vibro weapons, they can slice through a lot of things. 
those are not uh, the quote-unquote lightsabers of Star Wars. Although some races have uh, plasma um, blade technology, which is similar to what they have in uh, one certain anime called uh, Gundam. You're giving away a lot of uh, your particulars here, a real detailed breakdown, essentially, of your universe, the Star Shatter story series, of course. That's quite sufficient, and uh, all I would say at this point is that people, if they want to find out more, uh, get a copy of your book, of course, they can do that via either... I guess it's Amazon. I'm not sure if you have any available through Gab or not, PDF-type format. We met, the two of us, over via Minds.com, and uh, just in the lead-up to today's live stream, there was a really positive energy to things. Uh, the post that we put out the other day promoting the show uh, managed to pick up a fair deal of, of steam, which was great to see. Minds Gaming was uh, there in support of uh, what we were setting out to do here this week, as well as Mike Hopkins out of Sweden, who's going to join us later in November. So as far as getting a copy of your book, what's the best way people could go about doing it? Yeah, it's uh, two books. Uh, I am currently in the process of uh, writing the third one. If I am um, successful, that would be three books this year alone. But they can either uh, get the books uh, from uh, Amazon, either uh, the Kindle uh, versions or paperback, which I have uh, a very beautiful um, new um, cover for the second book, courtesy of uh, one of my friends from uh, Minds who is also a musician. He's really awesome. He he say he saved my life. And this is this is actually the ship the previous one. Well who who the, would this be, the musician for Minds and let's give him a shout out. What's his name? I'm not going to say his real name, but he's uh, obviously it's not just give me a second. I'll copy paste it in the While you're doing that, Aragmar, let me also just remind people if you are experiencing on your end of things a little bit of electronic interference, uh, lag, or frame rate dropping out of the picture, uh, that actually we had been informed just prior to going live, thanks to what uh, Aragmar drew to our attention, there was going to be potentially some interference that we could be expecting here with today's live stream uh, not that necessarily it was a massive widespread conspiracy targeting us in particular, but rather simply, well, what do you think was actually behind this whole business, Mr. Black Knight? Well, uh, probably something um, that our dear friends who are trying to maintain their control over the world... Yeah, we all know them. Probably they're trying to uh, back to their usual shenanigans again. They're trying to censor uh, people. They're trying to hack people, which some of them they can't because they are not. They do not use like Google or other services. So yeah, perhaps this is one of the the reasons 
they will do something like that, like the last time, maybe seven months ago. Yeah, basically we had a, another stream, a uh, private one, and one of the guys, his brother, uh, had some sensitive files uh, on his uh, laptop and he got hacked, like real time. We were talking about conspiracies and other stuff, like usual stuff. And his brother was screaming from from the other room, like uh, my 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 laptop is is being hacked. So, well, a conspiracy, of course, simply just being synonymous with the world of politics. The two, frankly, couldn't go any more hand in hand and be any more similar. I mean, one is of the other. Essentially, the two are inseparable. Without conspiracy, politics would take on a radically different form and manner than what it has for thousands of years now. It's the crux and, and heart of politics, from what I can tell. Make no mistake about that, folks. And it's also interesting, speaking of piracy and, and so forth, that if you look at the word, cons piracy, which, mm-hmm. if, once again, broken down from an etymological uh, standpoint is said to simply mean breathing together. So that is what, of course, pirates do upon their ships as they sail out upon, in our case, of course, this modern day and age, the high digital seas. Uh, let's remind uh, listeners we are speaking this week, of course, episode 125 to Aragmar, the Black Knight of Bulgaria. Great pleasure to have made contact with him here. We've only got a few minutes left to this week's live stream, and then we're going to be shifting gears, transitioning, as it were, to the after-show end of things. That is the premium content that we produce here on a weekly basis, uh, available to all of our Patreon supporters, as well as anyone who participates in the conversation so let's also not forget to remind people that half of all the donations that do end up coming our way via patreon paypal or even the mines wires that come in the tokens via mines.com to pirate radio network go directly back to charity half of everything we receive is set aside for operation secret santa Coming up here once again in December. Looking very much forward to that. The 10 day campaign that we've got uh, scheduled starting the 25th. <laughs> Christmas starts on the 25th. On the 15th, you know, Abraham Lincoln had a famous saying, something I try to live by. And I think probably anyone that gets on a mic has taken the time to reflect upon how it's better to be thought a fool and remain silent then open one's mouth and remove all doubt. Oh, yes. So, anyways, it's just a bit of a slip of the tongue, and, you know, my language arts skills are not as masterful as I would like them to be, but that's all part of the the deal here. That's uh, what we're working on doing is improving our ability always in helping to uh, produce these live streams and play the role of the host, of course. So, uh... Now, we, like I said, have only got 15, 20 minutes tops, really, with uh, this week's live stream. So there was a few different places I was hoping to take things here. 
we discussed your uh, writing career a little bit, as well as, of course, your youth to some extent, and life in Bulgaria growing up, and the things have obviously taken a turn for the better since the wall really was what set things in motion, I guess, that coming down the Berlin Wall, and uh, I think a lot of good, just the freeing up, the openness, and just more of an effort to respect people's basic rights and liberties, hopefully, you know, to a reasonable extent. There's still a lot of work that needs to be done, I would suppose, as with everywhere, even here in Korea, of course. That's one of the reasons we're constantly speaking out on any number of different issues. One of our great passions, of course, is the push to legalize marijuana here in South Korea. Something that, interestingly, you probably don't know this, Agmar, but only since 1976 has it been prohibited by law. Up until that time, there was no problem whatsoever. So there is a private member's bill in place that's been put forward behind the scenes, more or less, and is sitting there waiting to see the light of day. So who knows how long exactly that's going to take uh, and what shape or form it will uh, it will assume. But fingers crossed here, we'll be... Uh, seeing that uh, brought about before too long. You know, mostly for it's for medical reasons, too, is the way they've got oh, things yeah. uh, set up, oh, yeah. I guess. What about uh, Bulgaria? What's, uh, I mean, I don't want to spend a lot of time talking about this, but, you know, pharmaceuticals, I mean, I try to avoid them as much as I can. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. it's not always the easiest thing to do, but just natural medicines and the evil weed, marijuana, what is the legal status? Um, People drink a lot of alcohol, don't they? A lot oh of yes, vodka yes. and all it's, kinds uh, of alcohol. Alcohol is, I mean, uh, it, a lot of alcohol. But, let's see, the weed stuff, uh, I think it's not super legal. Uh, I, I had friends who, of course, uh, had dealings uh, with um other friends who may have been arrested by the police for uh, possession of uh, weed. But I think the law says here that uh, up to a certain amount, you'll get detained, but uh, they won't do anything to you. I mean, uh, it counts as um, you're not considered a dealer. But if you have like above a certain amount, you'll get a criminal record, you'll get sued uh, by the state and you'll, you'll end up in jail. But uh, since most of those who deal with drugs work with the police, some of them are the police, only if you are like, if you grow the stuff at home and you're selling it to your friends, uh, only then you will be probably sent to jail. Well, how long has this policy then and that uh, position essentially with possession up to a certain limit is allowable. How long has that policy been in place as such? I am not 100% sure, but I think it's um, uh, it's a recent uh-huh. change, a recent change to the law. How about that? So you haven't really, it hasn't uh, been widely discussed in the news then, I guess? No. Or? You still have like the, the usual... Uh, talking heads uh, on the media was like, oh, drugs are bad. 
Well, Wheat is bad. He's right. super bad. Oh, geez. I mean, it's the same yeah. bullshit here in Korea. And, you know, it's one of the stories that we're going to hopefully address here this coming Tuesday night. Same time as what we've uh, launched this live stream. Only uh, it'll be, of course, World Pirate Radio News show segment number 29. We're going to talk about how the rhetoric has uh, changed over the last couple of years in particular. Just the this the really cheap propaganda that the establishment for years has endlessly bombarded, brainwashing, you know, the reefer madness hysteria, oh, the masses, yeah. Yeah. relatively successful, but at the same time, you know, once a lot of people, they try it, they ask themselves, kind of scratch their head and say, uh, we've been lied to here, you know, what's going on? Oh, yes. And how many other lies has the government told us now? You know, it's mm-hmm. not good to lie. <laughs> you know, so maybe you should cut that out because you know if you're caught in a lie Karl Marx talked about contradictions you probably know about that don't you and Marx in particular so these are the things that uh, now that we're connecting through to the former uh, well the eastern bloc that uh, something to talk about so there's got to be that consciousness and awareness where people kind of connect the dots and say wait a minute something's not mm-hmm. uh, we're not getting the straight goods here so one of the things we wanted to talk about, just kind of moving along now and keeping things rolling along as we uh, steer things back into the harbor and, you know, settle into the uh, the after show, is online censorship. In particular, not just in a general sense, uh, as far as the world is concerned, Dragonfly Project via Google. You may have heard of that over in China. I guess they're trying to launch their own separate Google system and uh network didn't they launch it i think they sure. launched it okay sure and if, uh, if it's uh, if it's china and uh, you you're talking about in communist countries when they say they are going to do something it's already probably it's already started yeah i see china more as authoritarian fascist these days frankly cuz there's no there's no when I hear communism, I expect egalitarianism, and I just don't see much of that at all. And that's once again with respect to these contradictions that arise in our environment. That then they try to just beat us down with the more kind of a forceful, vociferous, insisting that you know they're correct. The establishment is always correct. Society is always correct, and the individual is always wrong. How, How dare you, you ask questions? The emperor wears no clothes. Like, come on, they got to to lock this person up. So, you know, I'm not sure if you're familiar or not with Plato's cave coming out into the light from out of the darkness, and then of course when you return back into the cave, people saying that, well, Jesus, guy sounds totally off his rocker. <laughs> What's he talking <laughs> about? This light business. But anyways. Uh, censorship, that's the main thing here. Just generally speaking, throughout the world, China, of course, as well as what we're seeing in the States now, but Bulgaria in particular, because you've got that unique perspective there, you know, boots on the ground, you are serving now as our world correspondent, essentially. What's the latest? What do you see? What are your thoughts and impressions? What we see now, I mean, well, at least uh, those of us who are uh, keeping tabs on stuff, it's you is uh, acting pretty much like uh, the old uh, communist censors. They're doing exactly what they did. First, we try to, to limit 
uh, your access to information, then they they try to uh, uh, hamper your ability to share information, and then they outright ban certain things like memes. For example, you might have heard that uh, they passed uh, an act which is it is which is totally sham. It's bullshit. Article they, thirteen, the EU. Yeah, yeah sure. Yeah. Basically, the EU, they're exactly the same like our old communist bureaucracy, the autocrats. Uh, they have like elected, quote-unquote, uh, officials from each country. Uh, but, yeah, we all know how they are elected. And uh, even if they're duly elected uh, somehow by some special state magic and they go there, they are told how to vote what to vote for or against by their handlers. They have, like, each of each of them has a specific handler. Uh, and, of course, people who try to go against the flow, uh, they're kind of kicked, removed by uh, manufactured scandals, which is standard, the golden standard. You did something, uh, you raped someone, or you have a secret past, you have, like, stolen and sold secret files or something, etc., etc. But this is a standard thing, and uh, with the censorship, uh, right now they're gearing uh, it up because this Article 13 is not going to work. People here, they have so much experience in memetic warfare, they, they are creating memes just like that. They don't need uh, pictures uh, or anything. They can they can create memes out of thin air, basically. So this whole bullshit Article 13, it's already biting them in the ass. But the, the danger here is uh, they are getting more authoritarian by the day, forming uh, the EO uh, armed forces, which will be uh, special uh, army created and under the command of the EU Council directly, although they say now, oh no, no, this is the, the those units will be uh, they will be uh, volunteers, they will be uh, sent from each country that's member of the EU, blah, 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 blah that's bullshit. Basically they're trying to create like their own uh, NKVD shock troops. I don't know how, how long it, this will take probably a couple of years, but the gear up in censorship, especially here, they're trying. We'll circumvent it. We know how to circumvent it for a time. I assume you know that in Britain, they kind of sabotaged uh, the Brexit deal and they are arresting people for wrong thing. Uh, Non-PC tweets and comments on Facebook, they are arresting them for hate speech, quote-unquote. So this is their testing ground right now, the EU testing ground for censorship. If they can achieve this effect of self-censorship through fear, uh, make you scared uh, enough so that you, you are afraid to speak up and uh, say what you think uh, on social media or uh, whatever, uh, they, have, uh, they are victorious, basically. I guess, yeah. I mean, it's up to us as engaged citizens to exercise our voices and show them that we are prepared to fight for truth and freedom, the very same values that our forebears 
grandparents, in many cases, fought and died for in the trenches and bloody battlegrounds of Europe, as well as, of course, there was conflict in the South Pacific and beyond. Why were UN soldiers from places like America and Canada sent to Korea, or Vietnam for that matter? It's always one, you know, stop the spread of communism. Well, Chinese seem to have come out profiting quite nicely from the whole deal so i wonder how the vietnam vets feel now with having paid that ultimate sacrifice and here's the outcome this is what happens so it doesn't seem to have been all that successful frankly stop the spread of communism and which is synonymous with censorship of course it's just authoritarian rule so yeah, people have to speak out, and we have to be strong and united. You know, they've taken down recently people like the big fish, the whales, Alex Jones. Uh, we were told how now they're trying to, as you say, focus on other more underground personalities and voices, such as maybe ourselves, here as we operate in really you know, very limited basis frankly, but, uh, you know, we do make ripples, uh, even though it is something of a digital ghetto that, we, that we've carved out for <laughs> ourselves, nothing much more than that to this point, which is fine. I'm having a blast, frankly. But, yeah, there is a war, and it is a war for your, for your hearts and minds, and it's been going on for quite a long time, and I like to think the sacrifice that these men and women who did pay that ultimate price, that it will not be forgotten or just simply have all gone for nothing and been a total waste. You know, that would be the greatest travesty. So we've got to do whatever we can to stand guard and ensure that does not happen. Um, that's the way I oh, see yeah. it. That's my personal oh, yeah. opinion. Yeah. You are correct, yeah. Hopefully not politically correct, but... Well, political correctness here, it was, uh, yeah, yeah, we follow the party line, we don't step out of line. Uh, this, this is the party line, this is, this is what we are supposed to, uh, group think. Uh, you don't step out of boundaries, you have like, uh, the guilt tax. Uh, if someone is, has stepped out of line, they're guilted. Exactly what they are doing right now, the modern social justice warriors, yeah, they're, they're, they're the same. Sure. It's the yeah. same bullshit. It's the exact same crap. Yeah. Uh, it's like, uh, watching like, uh, uh, some of my old junior party commissars who are like screaming on the top of their lungs. Oh yes, this is the glory of the party. We will do this and we will do that. It's the exact same crap. Well, you know, we've pretty much uh, reached the end of the road here, and the live stream typically runs for about 90 minutes. There are a number of talking points that we'd hope to address, including Vlad the Impaler, uh, Halloween, your thoughts on Gab as compared to, for example, Mines. You know, we could even revisit a few areas that we already have covered or traversed here, maybe exploring things a little more deeply conversation-wise. We're going to have to do that in the after show, though. Once again, Adagmar is who you are, of course. You can be found via gab.ai, minds.com, 
Uh, we yes. shared the Amazon link with our listeners earlier. They could do a search for that if they would like. But just on top of that, any other final thoughts before we head off into the after show? My own work, the books uh, that I'm writing, it's my way to stand up to this, uh, all of this um, politically correct uh, hypocrisy and the so-called social justice warriors, which uh, I started using another term, which is called uh, social terrorists. Basically, what they do is anti-fun thought control, which is repulsive, disgusting. Um, and what I try to do, and I am hopefully successful, my readers, some of them are in the, in the chat, they can say for sure, um, is to provide people of all ages some alternative to uh, the current uh, media shoved down our throats uh, full of forced diversity, political correctness, and all sorts of uh, messages which have uh, no place there. What uh, one of my good friends uh, always says is uh, when I when I go to the movies, I want to be entertained. I want to have fun. I want to forget about my crappy job and my other problems. I want to have fun. This is exactly what I try to do with my books. There are supposed to be 10 books, the Star Shutter series alone, and of course some uh, high fantasy books. Then afterwards we'll see how it goes. Uh, and also I will try to publish, self-publish uh, three books each year. I will try to publish three books. I hope I will, I will succeed. And also I did start a Minds exclusive uh, novel which is set in the universe of Warhammer 40k. But, of course, to finish it, I'm uh, dependent on my uh, patrons on Patreon, which I think you shared the link to my Patreon. Yes, you did. So, yeah, people can uh, go check my uh, Minds account and, of course, my Gap and um, read... A lot of, uh, of content that I've posted there for free. Short stories set partly in my books universe. And of course, um, different uh, and fresh and fun characters. So, yes, that's uh, basically what I wanted to say again. I actually did not share your Patreon link from what I can tell. Is it available? Oh, yes. Your Minds? Uh, yeah, it is. It profile. is. It is. Yeah, okay. it is available on the Minds and uh, on my Gap too. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's great then. You know, thanks once again for dropping in the last minute notice. Thanks for having me. Jack Ottman, of course, not able to make it. We're hoping to have him be a part of things here in the feature sense of the word come 2019 so yeah we'll just get you to mute yourself there Aragmar 
Will I provide listeners with a few closing comments here of my own regarding in particular how, if you've enjoyed any of the live streaming content we shared with you over the last couple of years, be sure to drop by patreon.com forward slash WPRPN profile page we have in place. Been having some credit card issues there with a couple of our patrons, hopefully in the process of getting that straightened out. But that aside, PayPal donations once again, folks, as well as the minds.com wires, half of everything that we receive goes directly to charity, set aside for the Operation Secret Santa Christmas Extravaganza 10-day campaign starting December 15th. So your support is very much appreciated. If you can't do that, just share the links. Just help to get them out there a little bit. We need a 1,000 YouTube subscribers. We've got about half of those to this point. We're somewhere around 500 right now. So we're now making a big push campaign towards reaching that milestone of a 1,000 subscribers. Hopefully they won't decide to shift the goalposts around once again, in which case we'll find ourselves demonetized one more time, changing the rules as we evolve here. So that's never a good thing, of course. But yes, we very much appreciate your support in any form that you're able to offer it. Just, you know, if you can't help out with the Minds tokens or PayPal or Patreon, help to get the word out. Tell your friends about what we got put together here. Check out our October schedule as well, too, via WPRPN.com. Right there. Click on the link at the top of the page, drop-down menu, show schedule information. We're all booked up for the rest of the year. Now actually working on putting our guest schedule in place for 2019. We're looking for interns as well, too. So if you're interested in helping out in a technical manner or a little bit of promotion, perhaps, or whatever your skill set happens to be, that's what this network World Pirate Radio Podcast Network, WPRPN.com, is all about. It's the People's Pirate Network. You can find us on Minds, of course, Pirate Radio Network, Twitter. All the links are down there in the show description area. For anyone who's wondering, we'll be back here Tuesday night once again with the World Pirate Radio News typically is a one-hour live stream discussion of current events and the like. A little bit of pop culture once again thrown into the mix. We're open to pretty much everything. So do be sure to join us there again. Bit.tube, we've set up an account over there as well. Why put all your eggs in one basket? Not the way to do it. That's not how you survive here out on the high digital seas. Bit.tube forward slash WPRPN is our new profile page. We've put a couple videos up there already. One dealing with the Operation Secret Santa Christmas Extravaganza. If you're looking to get a little more information about that, you can do it through there or clicking on the main homepage, WPRPN.com, drop down menu, 
Operation Secret Santa. We've also got a couple of videos up there dealing with the Minds.com groups, how groups are put together, what you're not supposed to do in launching a group. Be on the lookout for. If you are launching a group, always be sure to do a quick search and see if there's something already in place. If you want to put your own group together, be sure simply just to come up with your own unique and distinct name. It's as simple as that. Thanks to everybody who joined us. I think this has been one of our better shows as of late, as a matter of fact, and a very unique and refreshing perspective, having a chance to talk to Aragmar, courtesy of and via Bulgaria, of all places. Can you believe it, folks? What a wonder this world technology is. Both the Pirate Joes, of course, a lot of miscellaneous characters as well, too. New names that we had yet to really see or encounter to this point, so hopefully they'll be back at some future date. Andrew Fishman, Unknown Survivor. And everybody else, of course, that dropped in as well, too. More luck. Thirteen. Just showing up here as we wrap things up. We're off to the after show here, people. On behalf of Captain Long John Sinclair and all the rest of the crew here on the Robin Hood, until we meet again out on the high digital seas... I'm your host as always, the show's Chief Communications Officer, Jaffe Ryder. Telly Ho. I know. There we be. Having carefully looked over each of our navigation panel instruments, checking every level, switch, dial, cable, knob, and pulley. By all accounts and indications, we indeed see it's time once again to drop anchor inside Mystic Bay and draw an end to another week of Pirate Radio Podcasts. Remember, if you're looking for a little more lively online action, keep in mind we've likely got yet another great free-flowing rogues gallery after show coming up for the next hour in either Skype Google Hangouts, or Peer.im. Also, if you've in any way enjoyed or found yourself benefiting from the shows we've tirelessly produced over the past two years, you might want to drop by our Patreon tip jar page and lend a little support. Half of all network donations go directly to charity. Help to keep those numbers growing over on Patreon and we'll be able to extend even more of a generous pirate hand. Looking forward now to the balance of 2018, we're still not quite yet booked. So if you yourself have a new, novel, intriguing, or otherwise underreported idea, unique individual, or pressing item in mind, be sure to either drop us a line directly over on WPRPN.com or fire us a quick email via PirateOneRadio at gmail.com. We're always open to exploring fresh creative suggestions, intriguing guest ideas, cutting-edge discussion topics, and captivating themes. You can further embark on your own personal pirate journey 
by either liking, commenting on, subscribing to, or just following us via virtually any mainstream social media platform, including Twitter, Facebook, Google+, or Minds.com. So don't forget to become engaged. Until we meet again out on the high digital seas, I'm your host as always, the ship's chief communications officer, Jaffe Ryder. Tally ho.